Hi, welcome to She Will Not Be Silenced with Keisha Shields, the podcast for women leaders on a mission to change the world and build empires that have legacy, success, influence, and intergenerational wealth. We'll talk about how stigmas, stereotypes, grief, and other people's opinions can keep women's voices silenced and the impact these have on successful women and their emotions, their relationships, and their money. If you have felt silenced and need guidance, awakening, and amplifying your voice, visit KeishaShields.com to check out my best-selling Find Your Voice course. Please take a quick second to hit the subscribe button and let's get into this week's episode. To watch the video episode, visit KeishaShields.com slash podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of She Will Not Be Silenced with your hostess, Keisha Shields. One of the questions that I have gotten asked recently is whether or not I feel successful or have felt successful in my life. People tend to look at how much money you make in terms of income, or they look at what titles or positions you have as markers of what success looks like. And even though by those standards, you know, especially having been younger at the time, A lot of my peers would see me as having career and financial success. But the truth of the matter is, when I thought about it, I don't ever really remember feeling like, oh my gosh, I'm a success, or oh my goodness, I made it. Like, never. Never. And part of that, if I'm just being all the way, you know, just real, is that my vision for my life and for who I am is so huge. I know that I was created by God for a specific time, for a specific purpose. And I know that God is not in the business of doing things small. And so I see just a limitless, possibility for myself. And because of that, even when I do well or I hit markers or hit goals, whatever it is, I wasn't taught to really celebrate those moments. And so it's kind of like, okay, I checked the box. What's next? On to the next thing, right? When you do that, you don't have a chance to feel into the success that you have had so far. You know, being in the C-suite in my 20s, doing pretty well financially for myself, you know, during those times. It wasn't something really to be celebrated. It felt like, okay, you know, this was something that I wanted to do, you know, like what's next? Like, okay. And so I didn't, I didn't feel successful. I didn't feel like I had success. And I do think at sometimes though, that can be a danger zone because when you feel like you've made it, a lot of times it can be challenging for a lot of people to get out of their way, to seek 
more. More does not always mean bigger, but to seek more beingness in their life. This is what I'm going to say. I'm just I'm going to tell I'm going to tell a story about one of the reasons why I had a hard time feeling successful even when I was in the C-suite in my 20s and early 30s. It's because of this. I had the title. I had you know, whatever, the clout that comes with that. But what a lot of people didn't know is that I was miserable. I was absolutely miserable in that role. Not because I didn't enjoy the work or I wasn't good at it, but it's because I was in a very unhealthy situation. The level of stress I felt being at that place, the level of tension that I felt in my body, uh, being around those certain people who were in charge of all the things, I started to lose so much weight, like unhealthy weight though, from just stress, tension, anxiety. And I wasn't an anxiety written person. But these things started to rear their heads. One day, it was a Sunday. I'll never forget it. It was a Sunday. It's a Sunday-Monday combo. But this particular instance, it was a Sunday. And I was talking to my husband. And we were talking about something. And I was starting to feel so frail and fragile. And I didn't even feel like myself anymore. And I remember looking at him and I told him, I need to tell you something. And I'm kind of ashamed to even say it to you. And, you know, he was all ears at this point, you know, because I had never addressed anything that way. And I looked at him and I said these words. I feel like a battered wife at work. Oh my gosh, I felt like an, a battered wife, an emotionally abusive relationship is what I was navigating in the office at the workplace. So to a lot of people, it was like the success of the role, the success of the title, but I wasn't really respected. And I had started to lose my voice. I started losing my voice. I started losing my capacity to speak up when I needed to. These people did not deserve me or my time or my brilliance at all. It started off with good intentions, right? But there was a lot of shady, unethical slightly illegal things happening, you know, going on. And at the time, I didn't have the confidence and the courage to like say something about it. You know, I'm not going to blow the whistle. You know, I am not going to be the squeaky wheel. You know, I'm loyal. I'm loyal. You can tell me anything and it stays here. So I was loyal, right? All of these things. And there were so many things that I turned a blind eye to. 
And it was because I was worried what was going to happen to me, not physically, but oh my gosh, I'm going to lose my job. I'm going to lose my position. And the problem with that was it had nothing to do with titling. It was because I was so concerned being, I was the youngest in the executive team. I was the only female, okay, the only woman, and I was the only black person, so the black youngest woman in the C-suite team. And I was so worried that if I left this position, that there was not going to be another woman, another black woman especially, who would get the chance to move into the C-suite and actually have a salary, um, have an influence to match. And I stayed way longer than I should have. I started to lose the identity of who I was, who Keisha was at the time. I stayed in a relationship at work that was so unhealthy. I didn't recognize myself anymore. And the day that it all came to a head was that Monday after I had that conversation with my husband. On that Monday, when it was time for me to get up and get going for my day, get ready to go to the office, I found myself, and this is like so cliche, it's like what you see in the movies, but it was so real. I found myself curled up in the fetal position in my bed, just bawling, tears just falling from my eyes. My depression had come to a head. The worry I felt about going to that office another day, dealing with the unethical things happening dealing with white men who didn't respect the voice of a woman, a black woman, especially, I was losing myself, my voice, my confidence in myself. And it came to a head that day when I could not get out of the bed to bring myself to go in another stinking day and deal with that. I knew at that moment that things would never be the same. And I didn't go that day. I did go the following day. And while I was there, I knew that I had already made up in my mind that I was going to be leaving, seeking out something else, something better suited for myself, where my voice was valued, my perspective was valued. I was valued and appreciated as a peer, right? Because I can go toe-to-toe, but as a peer at that level, to be respected and valued and appreciated for that. I knew that I was going to be leaving. And for me, the company itself, I didn't have a problem with. It was the leadership that was directly above me that I had a problem with. And so I started to just get all of my things in order in preparation of 
you know, leaving and all of those things. But I had a team of people who I was responsible for managing, leading, and mentoring. I especially had an administrative team of women who I had grown so fond of. I cared about them so much. And I knew that I could not stomach leaving and them being under that leadership that I had been navigating. The number of times, they had no idea, the number of times I had to go to battle to speak up and advocate for them when my leadership wanted to give someone the ax or wanted to come in and really just get in on someone. The number of times that I blocked that and spoke up on their behalf, because that's what you do. These were phenomenal team members. They respected me as their boss, as their leader, as their manager, and I respected them. And so what I did was I ended up calling a team meeting with my direct administrative reports to let them know that my time had come and I was going to be moving on. But what I wanted to offer each of them, and I encouraged them to take me up on the offer, I would help each of them find new positions before I left new positions elsewhere before I left. Every last one of them took me up on it. Every last one of them left in other positions before I did. Not only did they get new positions, they all got better paying positions elsewhere. When I did that, I walked out and that was that. My friend Janae said, Keisha, that was a boss move. Like to make sure that they were good. Not only good, but better than what they were before. But for me, I had started to remember my value and my worth and what I bring to the table and all of those things that I realized that I was in an abusive relationship at work. Even being an executive, even with, you know, all of these other things attached to it, I lost my identity. I started to lose who I was. My relationships with my friends shifted. I didn't have the time or the energy. They started not really recognizing who I was. I was starting to feel like a shell of who I was. Man, that was a brutal time for me, you know? And so I feel one of the big reasons why I didn't feel like a success. And so I think that it's easy for us to not honor and respect the success that we have made and for us to honor and respect the times when we have had to step back into and remember who we are and what all the value that we bring just by being who we are. I had a lot of shame around 
this experience because from the outside looking in, people saw my confidence. They saw me crushing the goals, you know, in my life and at work. I was extremely effective in my role. Let's be clear. But the interpersonal dynamics were very unhealthy. And I had a lot of shame around it. I didn't want to tell anyone, you know, because remember, I'm loyal. And it was a really hard time. It was a really hard time when it came to remembering my identity in Christ, remembering my identity as a woman, remembering my identity as a Black woman, you know, and all of these things. I was asked the question, um, if I had to go back and do that again, would I have walked away or would I have stayed knowing who I am now? And my answer to that was this. I still would not have walked away first. I would have, though, made sure that they knew exactly where I stood on things, that they knew what I thought, that I advocated for myself. I would have made sure that I had a voice, a strong voice in that boardroom, in that workplace, not just with those I managed, but with those, my superiors, who should have been my peers, I would have made my voice so pronounced. They would not have been able to deny me at all. I would have done those things. And if they were still not received, I would have walked away. But I would not have wanted Keisha to walk away and cower in fear. I would not have wanted Keisha to walk away and not have spoken up for herself and advocated for herself. That would be the difference between what I would do now as opposed to what I did then. And I recognize that difference for myself now. When I finally left them and walked away from that position, I dove into my business. I was already operating my business semi-full-time, but I dove all the way into it from a time perspective. Let me tell you why I say that. Because I left that role and walked away and I was walking on eggshells. And remember I told you, I started to lose myself. I lost a lot of remembering who I was. So when I walked out of that role and walked into my business, guess what I did? I brought that fear right along with me. I started my business. I didn't use my name. I had a, a brand name that I used. I didn't want those people finding me. I didn't want them knowing anything about where I was or where I went or what I did. And this sounds like some mafia stuff, right? But it wasn't a physical fear. It wasn't that, right? But I knew that these people knew I was the business. Honestly, it was kind of for their safety to be all the way real with you, right? But I didn't want their, the negativity. I didn't want 
the spin artist stuff. I didn't want the lies and all of that. I just didn't want that in my orbit. I, I'm full of integrity. I'm truthful. I'm honest. And I believe in being that way. That's important to me. So when I walked out of that and walked fully into my business, I carried that fear of visibility, of speaking up, that silencing of my voice was there. And it was something that impacted how I worked and how I maneuvered. And I had great clients. And my clients were like, hmm, like Keisha's so amazing. Like, why doesn't people really know about her? Because I was playing the low-key background role because I let that fear of what others would think of leaving and walking away from this company. So many things were going through my mind. I wanted to distance myself completely. But then it became too much work to manage being my brand identity and not being myself. So it finally got to a point, and this was just a few years ago, where I finally was like, you know what? Not only is this too much work, this is getting incredibly expensive. This is getting very expensive managing multiple identities. So then I decided and you know, to really own and step into the work that I was already teaching. And I owned who I was. I stopped using the company name as the forefront, started to really speak forward as Keisha. I did the work, though, to remember who I was, to own my voice, to remember my confidence, to let it flow back out of me. And that was the best decision I ever made for myself was not allowing someone else's situation to become my destiny and my identity. I am encouraging you, be in control of your identity. Remember who you are. Do not stay in workplaces, relationships that have you questioning who you actually are. I didn't imagine I would be in that position, not at work. It can happen to people who seem so confident, even on the outside. That was the hardest thing for me and why I didn't feel successful. Working through that was life-changing. Doing my own work was life-changing. And now I am so secure in who I am, in my identity, in my value, in what I bring and what I don't bring to the rooms and spaces and places that I enter. Don't let people tell you who you are. Do not let people downplay who you are. Do not let employers or companies or anyone else make you minimize your brilliance. Do not do that. Be who you are. Be who you are. Own your identity. And if you're struggling with doing that, think back to when you felt like your truest, the truest version of who you actually are.
If you have questions, let me know. If you're struggling with this yourself or you want to talk about experiences that you may have had or may be having in the boardroom, in the executive suite, in a leadership role, head on over to KeishaShields.com and book a consultation with me. Let's see if we can connect and I can help you to really create a good, solid, actionable plan to get yourself better suited in a better position and to really remember your identity and who you are. Ta-ta! Don't forget to hit the subscribe button to be notified of our next episode because you won't want to miss it. Thank you for listening to this episode of She Will Not Be Silenced with Keisha Shields. If you are an executive or highly driven leader ready to amplify your wealth, legacy, and your voice on your terms and overcome the impact of feeling silenced, visit KeishaShields.com slash hire to work with me one-to-one or to find more information on how to bring me into your company or organization to help support your women leaders.